Hallelujah. Thank you so much, worship team. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to Exodus? Exodus chapter 17. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 7. We're also going to be looking at Numbers. Numbers chapter 20, verses 1 through 13. Two different texts this morning from the Old Testament. Again, Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. And Numbers chapter 20, verses 1 through 13. Uh, we're going we're gonna to wrap up, we're going to finish up our series this morning. Uh, excited to be able to, to uh, share the word of the Lord with you this morning. Uh, let's pray, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, for this series. I know that for some of us it's uh, been a little bit challenging, Lord, to receive uh, uh, the, the mindset or the thought, Lord, that maybe we have done some things that uh, we've done them wrong, Lord, but we've ended up at the right place, but we've done them wrong. And so we, we lay that aside or we, we don't focus on that. But Lord, I know that it's your desire for us to do the right thing the right way. I know that God with you, the, the details do matter. And uh, Lord, it's your desire to, to help us to see that, to help us to, to again, to please you and to, to give you honor and glory with everything that we say and with everything that we do. And Lord, as we, as we share this message, I pray that this would be in line with that, God, that you would again uh, open our hearts, open our eyes, help us to see ourselves for who we are. And, and Lord, speak to us. Speak to us today. Have your way, God. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen, amen. amen. All right, like I said, we're, we're wrapping up this series this morning. Uh, it's been called Holy Distortion. And again, one last time, the idea behind the series is that if you and I are not careful, uh, it is very possible to do the right thing the wrong way. And like I said, the details do matter. The details matter. As a result, we have said all along that some people have wrongly stated that the end justifies the means. Uh, but as we discussed last week, and again, the details matter. Uh, how you do something is as important as what God wants you to do, especially, say especially, especially if God has directed you to do it in a certain way. Again, obedience matters. The blessings of God will always, say always, the blessings of God will always follow you when you follow God's lead, when you do it His way, amen? You see, a right thing done in a wrong way can be disastrous as either not doing it at all or even doing a wrong thing. It can actually bring maybe even confusion to a situation like people will know that a result is right but they will also know that something was wrong about how it was done. And in those moments, it can be confusion. It can bring confusion. Uh, plus, in some cases, it even leads to a bad taste in their mouth for the things of God because they, they saw you do a good thing, but they saw how, what led up to that, and it wasn't very good. In fact, uh, often when people do the right thing the wrong way, it actually turns people off. It actually turns people away from God. And so God wants us to do the right thing, but he also wants us to do it the right way. And again, this is when your posture or your heart attitude reflects your values, your God-given values, and people can see your simple obedience to God's ways. Amen? Listen, in the past few weeks, we, we looked at two men, right? And they, they both prayed. One of them prayed the right way. The other one prayed the wrong way. Again, it's not the words that they used that made it right or wrong. It was actually the condition of their hearts that determined whether they prayed the right way or the wrong way. As a result, we know that the Pharisee was rejected. And the tax collector that the scripture uh, in, 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 uh, in describing him says uh, the evil tax collector was justified because his heart posture was right. And there we saw that holy distortion. We also looked at two men who built two houses, right? One did it the right way and one did it the wrong way. Again, it was good. Say good. It was good that they both built houses. They both built houses. That's wonderful. But one did it the right way and one did it the wrong way. 
Uh, uh, so the one that built his house on the sand or did it the wrong way, uh, he built his house on the sand or on the, on the ways of this world. And so we know that when the storm came, that house uh, sadly had an end that was destruction. But the other one that had built his house on the rock or on the values of God, we know that when the storm came and so when the rain came and, and when the floods came and when the winds came, the storm did not destroy that house. Why? Because it was built on the rock. It was built on the right foundation. Again, holy distortion. Last week, we, we looked at the story of King David, who we know he was zealous and he was passionate for God, right? I love when people are passionate for God. Uh, it's exciting to see our young people. It's exciting to see some of you. Uh, when you get a hold of God and when God gets a hold of you and, and there's just some excitement and all of a sudden you, you come to church early and, and you're active in the things of the church and, and you want to serve and, and you want to live for Jesus every day and at your work and with your family. And, and no matter what the situation is, you are excited for Jesus because you have a zeal in your heart. And, and that, listen, and that was the case for David. He had a zeal for God, and that was good. That was good. We know that his in his zeal, David wanted to bring uh, the Ark of the Covenant specifically to Jerusalem. He wanted to restore the right worship of God uh, in the right place in the nation of Israel. Again, this was the right thing to do. Remember, the, the Ark of the Covenant, covenant it represented the presence of God. I don't know about you, but when I think about the presence of God, I think of holiness, amen? I think of purity. I, I think of something that is unbroken, something that is so pure that, man, like Isaiah, if you come before the presence of God like we do sometimes in worship, that all you can say is holy, 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 because you know that you are not and He is. Because you know that we are broken and He is whole. And because of Jesus, we can be brought into that and we can feel and sense the power of God. It's exciting, again, to have that zeal and that passion and, and knowing that David wanted to bring the worship of God to the nation of Israel, we know that was the right thing. It represented the presence of God. It represented the throne of God in heaven. It represented, again, straightforward God's holiness. The ark, as you can imagine, it had to be handled properly. How many of you know you, you, you've got to handle things that are holy properly? You can't just handle them however you want. You can't just do whatever you want. And I'll, listen, I'll apply that to times when God is moving. We can't just do anything our own way. When God is moving, we've got to make sure that we are handling the holiness and the power and the moving of God in the right way. But we know from the scripture in their pride they, and in their carelessness and ultimately in their sin, the people put the ark on a cart and they touched it. We know that this was wrong. It was wrong. It, we know that it led to a, a tragic and the unnecessary death of Uzzah. And this again was holy distortion. And so uh, the right thing done the wrong way was not pleasing to God. And, and the people paid the price for it. I want you to pick up on that because that will apply to us too. That when we do the right thing a wrong way, sometimes judgment will come and we won't understand because we did a good thing. But along the way, you did it the wrong way. See, they had been instructed very specifically how to carry the ark on, on their shoulders using the staves and they were forbidden from touching the ark in any way. But they decided in their own minds that they were going to handle the ark however they wanted. They're going to put it on an ark and they're going to touch it because they, they thought it was falling and so it's okay to touch it in that moment even though God said not to touch it. And again, it, it, it resulted in the judgment of God. Today, I, I want to wrap up this series dealing with holy distortions with a, a subject that might make us feel uncomfortable. I know it makes me feel uncomfortable. It's, it's not a, a shouting message this morning, but I hope that your hearts are ready to receive it. Uh, I want to talk about a subject that we've all dealt with at one time or another. Some of you may be uh, just in it right now. Has anyone here this morning ever been angry? Oh, boy. 
Or do you know anyone who struggles with anger? Don't point any fingers this morning. Today I want to talk about anger as a holy distortion. I want, to see what, I want us to see, for some of us again, in a fresh way, what the scripture says about anger. Listen, when I first gave my heart to Jesus, when I first got saved, I was under the impression that as a follower of Jesus Christ, we were never supposed to get angry. And so early on, I actually allowed people to do and even to, to, to say things to me that were wrong and sometimes inappropriate. Some of you, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, the Bible talks about doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. And plus, there are actually two places in Scripture where Jesus tells us to turn the other cheek in Matthew and then in Luke. And so I, I took that literally. I took it literally. Matthew 5 and verse 39 says, do not resist an evil person. Say resist. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek too. In Luke 6 verses 28 and 29, Jesus says, bless those who curse you. Say bless. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. Listen, at first glance, I, I thought that Jesus was teaching that no matter what happens, this is me, I'm speaking of myself, no matter what happens, we don't get angry. It is actually a good thing or a holy thing, I thought, to, to never respond, you know. We just love. We just love. We're supposed to love. We're supposed to be the people of love. And so, uh, you know, uh, it, it just, it, we're just going to let it go. We're going to let it roll off. We're going to let it get in. I, I later discovered that that was basically a holy distortion. How many of you know that's holy distortion? The Bible, listen, the Bible does not teach that we should never get angry. How many of you know that? The Bible does not teach that we should never get angry. The Bible does not teach that we are supposed to be a human floor or doormat. How many of you know that? The Bible does not teach that we're supposed to stand and, and do nothing while people hurt you and uh, time and time again or, or abuse you time and time again. People have wrongly advised people in, in uh, violent uh, and even destructive marriages that, you know what, that's a covenant and, and you've just got to put up with that. You've just got to deal with that. No! Abuse is never acceptable. Abuse at the hands of anger is never acceptable. Today I want to talk about being angry and what the Bible says that we should do about it. Uh, this by no means is going to cover every single, it's not going to be exhaustive by any means, but uh, it's not going to cover every single instance uh, or example in Scripture. But I do hope that I can give you a basic understanding to do the right thing the right way when it comes to anger. Again, how many of you have ever been angry? I want to make sure I'm not preaching just to myself this morning. The first thing I want to say uh, when, I, when I talk about this is uh, in light of Scripture, the, the Scripture that I just shared, and because I strongly, I wrongly interpreted the Bible many times when I first became a Christian uh, the wrong way, is that you should never take this in. Make sure you have this. You should never take a single Scripture and base your entire life belief on that one Scripture alone. How many of you know, you know that? And listen, some of you, you know, you know what I'm talking about in a deeper sense, but let's just keep it simple this morning. You should never take one verse of Scripture, because sometimes we have a life Scripture, and that is good in context. But you should never take one Scripture and just kind of be dictated by that alone. Listen, there's that joke that some of us know about the young Christian who started to read the Bible, and he really didn't have a plan or a, a way to go about it. And so he randomly, and you've heard this before, some of you, he uh, randomly opened the Bible and he read a verse somewhere where it talked about uh, Judas hanging himself and then that same person that young Christian he opened the Bible he turned it to, to another page and the, ver next, the next verse that he read said go and do likewise 
Without going too deep, it's always important to do what? To compare and to study Scripture with, what do you think? Scripture with Scripture. Scripture, big word, hermeneutics. To get the whole counsel of God, of what God is saying to you on any subject, uh, you've got to compare Scripture with Scripture. And therefore, we, we want to talk, talk about being angry. When bad things are being done, which is right, it's right to get angry when bad things are being done, because again, we have uh, many examples in the Bible uh, where anger was displayed as a response to sin, and in many cases, we know that expressing that anger actually led to correction, and it led to repentance, where, whereas which, that's where it should lead, that's good. But today, I want us to look at uh, uh, the life of Moses, who in this instance, I want to pick on on Moses a little bit this morning, but it's going to help us. In this instance, he did the right thing, but unfortunately he did it the wrong way. Hopefully we can learn from his example in scripture. But listen, before I go there, let me ask you some random questions. I want to make sure that we're on the same uh, playing field this morning. How do you feel, random questions, how do you feel when someone cuts you off in traffic almost causing an accident? How do you feel when people interrupt uh, you thinking that what they have to say is more important than than what you have to say? How do you feel when you hear that someone is spreading lies about you? How do you feel when someone takes credit for something that you did? How do you feel when someone hurts or injures a loved one on purpose and without care? Some of you parents, when somebody injures your children, when when someone does something inappropriate to someone that you love, how do you feel when, when someone steals something that belongs to you? How do you feel when someone is constantly rude and, and because of their rudeness, they're taking advantage of you? Listen, anger is an emotion characterized by hostility or opposition towards something or someone that you feel has deliberately done you wrong. Anybody ever have someone do you wrong? Listen, anger is a fact of life. It is present in all of our lives, whether we want to admit it or not. The truth is, you and I, we have all lost it at one time or another with strangers. We have all lost it maybe with family. We have all lost it with our friends. Uh, For some of us, though, anger seems to show up more, more than we like to admit it. And sadly, you and I, we are living in a society that has a major problem with anger. Anger. You can see the violence all around. You can see people's reaction, whether you think it's, a, it's you know, there should be a response in that way or not. Sometimes the response is a way over the top. We see it. Some of you have experienced it. Some of you have been on the receiving end. And some of you, sadly, you've been on the giving end. And How many of you know what road rage is? Road rage is a term used to describe our reactions to those who we feel are unfit to drive on roads and highways. They certainly don't know how to drive by what they just did. And I've never heard of this one, but hey, uh, others know better than me. Air rage. Air rage is used to describe disgruntled passengers who are growing increasingly upset with the airline industry, and so they take their frustrations out on airline personnel. I don't know if your flight has ever been delayed because of someone that had to be pulled off, but I've read some of those stories out there, and the basis of that is all in anger. I'm sure that at some time in our lives we have said or we have heard someone say, now that makes me... The truth of the matter is that nothing and no one can make you angry. Let me, let me say that again. Let me, let me make sure that you get that. And even if you disagree, hold on to your disagreement. Nothing and no one can really make us angry. Say make. The hard truth is that you and I, we decide whether or not to be angry. Every reaction is a decision. How we respond is a decision. 
and as, a, as an emotion, anger can be turned off on and it can be turned off by God's grace. You and I, we, we can decide how we feel at any given moment. The question is, will you be led by your flesh or will you be led by the Spirit of God? Some of us, we're very fleshly. You, wouldn't, you don't, like, you don't want, want to admit it. You wouldn't want to admit it to others. We're very fleshly. I want us to look at our first text this morning to see what God's word has to say about handling anger. Actually, let's give it a context first. In Exodus, we know that the people of Israel are being led by Moses. That, that word Exodus, right, being led out uh, into the wilderness because they had just been in captivity in Egypt. They were slaves. Uh, everything that, that that word slaves means is what they were under. They had experienced it. And we know that in the wilderness, the Jews encounter many challenges, including some basic things like uh, what to eat and what to drink. Now, in the 20th century, you and I, maybe you've heard this word before. I kind of chuckled when I, when I wrote it. Is you and I like to say that we are hangry when we are hungry and getting angry for not having food. And so maybe if you're hearing it for the first time, it's like, oh, is that what that's called? Uh, you, you, anybody here ever been hangry? Uh, some of you, you, you know what I'm talking about. It's like run the food. Let's go. Let, let's get it going. I've waited long enough. And so, listen, we can say that in the wilderness, the Israelites, they, they were getting hangry. And in Exodus 16, they complained that Moses had brought them out there to starve them to death. Oh, I can say so many stories. Children say the funniest things. Uh, uh, you would think when uh, uh, lunch or breakfast or dinner is even 10 or 15 minutes late, I'm so hungry. I'm going to die if you don't feed me now. Don't laugh. Some of you are, as adults do that. <laughs> they even looked back at Egypt as a time when they, listen, they were slaves. Say slaves. They were slaves. They even looked back at, at, at their time in Egypt as a time where they were fed all that they wanted and they wished that they could have stayed there to continue to be fed and then die in response to not having water or food in the wilderness. So what does God do? God provides manna and quail for them to eat and after testing them several times to, to see if they could obey and follow direction uh, which by the way the Jews often struggled with following directions being obedient in Exodus chapter 17 beginning at verse 1 that's our text let's go there gave you context the Bible says at the Lord's command the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of Sinai and moved from place to place eventually they camped at Rephidim but there was no water there for the people to drink. And so once more, that phrase, once more, if you read Exodus, if you read the journey of the Jews, you'll see that once more and once more. And so once more, the people complained against Moses, give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me? And why are you testing the Lord? But tormented by thirst, they continued to, to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children, and our livestock with thirst? And then Moses cried out to the Lord, What should I do with these people? They are ready to stone me. Lord said to Moses, walk out in front of the people and take your staff, the, the one you used when you struck the, the water of the Nile and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai, strike the water and water will come gushing out and then the people will be able to do what? To drink. And so Moses did what? He struck the rock as he was told, and water 
gushed out as the elders looked on. Moses named the, pl uh, that, the place Massa, which means test, and Meribah, which means arguing, because the people of Israel argued with Moses and tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord here with us or not? Anybody ever uh, say that? I, I'm not sure if God is with me right now or not. That's been at one, all of us at one time or another. Listen, right here, it does not explicitly say that Moses was angry or upset with the people. But I think with, we can assume, I mean, quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me? Why are you testing the Lord? Those are Moses' words. What should I do with these people? Moses said. That's more than a question, I think. I would dare say that Moses is a little bit frustrated, possibly even angry. I want you to keep that, that in mind. Now listen, Moses was told to do what with the, the staff? He was told to strike it. He was told to hit the rock. And what was going to happen when he hit the rock? Water was going to come out of it, you know, and so they were thirsty. He was going to strike or hit the rock. Water was going to come out of it. This first time we know that Moses did what? He obeyed and did exactly as the Lord had commanded. And guess what? Can you imagine what happens? Water came out of the rock. It was a miracle. God did it. God did what he said he was going to do. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 4, Paul said that this rock uh, here in the Old Testament was a type of Jesus. Uh, it's, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 4 says they all drank from the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. That's the New Testament. We also know that Jesus referred to himself as the one who was giving the people living water. He was to be smitten, and out of him was to come rivers of what? Living water. I want us to look at our second text, Numbers chapter 20. In the first month of the year, the whole community of Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zin and camped at Kadesh. And while they were there, Miriam died and was buried. There was no water for the people to drink at that place. Here we go again. And so what did the children do? What did it, the, the Jews do? They rebelled against Moses and Aaron. And I will say again. The people blamed Moses and said, if only, here we go again, if only we had died in the Lord's presence with our brothers, why have you brought the congregation of the Lord's people into this wilderness to die along with all of our livestock? They're so overdramatic. Why did you make us leave Egypt, slavery, why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? Egypt must not have been that bad. Slavery must, must, must have been pretty good. Why did you bring us here to this terrible place? This land has no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates, no water to drink. Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they did what? They fell face down on the ground, and then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, you and Aaron, specific instructions, you and Aaron must do what? Take the staff, assemble the entire community, and as the people watch, do what? This is important. Speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out as water. Say speak. Speak is a lot different than hitting. Speak to the rock. And it will do what? It will pour out its water. You will provide enough water from the rock that you speak to as to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. And so Moses did as he was told, and he took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord, and then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and to gather at the rock. He said this, Listen, you rebels, he shouted. Must we bring water from this rock? 
And then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with a staff. And water gushed out. The entire community, their livestock drank their fill. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, listen, because you did not trust me enough, you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not, say not, you will not lead them into the land, the promised land that I am giving you. This place was known as the waters of Meribah, which means arguing, because there the people of Israel argued with the Lord, and there he demonstrated his holiness among them. There's a lot to break out there. Uh, I look at the, uh, the phrase there uh, when uh, Moses is just, uh, just frustrated. Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water from this rock? Even that, that phrase there, that, that, that word that he gave there, it kind of demonstrated uh, what, how he was thinking at the moment. Must we, Moses, did you forget where the water was coming from? Did you forget who, the, who, who is the one that's going to bring forth? Oh, must we bring you water from this rock? The Lord said to do what to the rock for the water to come forth? Speak to it. So instead, Moses felt like he needed to raise his hands and strike the rock twice with the staff so that water gushed out of it. Listen, the people started complaining again is the beginning of this text. They were out of water again. This obviously got Moses upset. He went out and talked to God, and this time God told Moses just to speak to the rock. God did not tell Moses to hit it. But Moses was so angry. He was so flustered. He was so upset with the people for constantly complaining. He started yelling at the people, do I have to hit this rock again? You people make me so mad. And then he hit the rock twice. And this is where we see the holy distortion. He wasn't told to strike the rock. It was right for Moses. Listen, it was right for Moses to be angry with the people. It was right to rebuke the people for their constant complaining, but he did it the wrong way. He lost his temper, and our temper, listen, our temper is literally the one thing that we can't get rid of by losing it. Moses lost his, his temper. It's the one thing that we can't get rid of by losing it. We, listen, we have to do the right thing the right way, and so what, what was the result of Moses losing his temper? judgment right he was punished the bible says in verse 12 that he was not allowed to actually bring the people into the promised land in fact we knew that he had to die in the wilderness and someone else was going to lead the nation of israel into the prop the promised land and this is sad because it all stems to that disobedience it's sad because it all stems back to the fact that he allowed his anger to take him so far to do something in line with disobedience and god needed to bring judgment what did he do wrong why was it so bad to hit the rock and so I, we've said it a couple times the first thing was that he, he disobeyed god Instead of speaking to the rock, he hit it. What's the big deal? The, the big deal is called obedience. Say obedience. Doing what God says, how he says to do it, and when he says to do it, even if we don't like it. Second, there was probably some kind of symbolism that God was trying to show the people regarding the, the work that Jesus, the Messiah, was going to do in the future. We know from the New Testament, Jesus was supposed was to be smitten, and he was. He was crucified once for all, and out of Jesus would come rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. And all we, had to, all we had to do was call upon him to bring you and I, to bring us rivers of living water. Jesus was to be the final sacrifice once and for all. I look at Moses striking the rock that first time as the works and the things that we can do, that we try to do, maybe under the law. I look at the second time around where God was saying, just speak to the rock. Again, lining up with who Jesus would be, the one that 
that would die for us, the one that would hang on the cross, the one that would remind us that you and I can do no work of the flesh to earn our salvation. How many of you know that this morning? You can do nothing to earn your salvation. You can do nothing to save yourself. You can do nothing of yourself uh, to, to gain any ground. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus showed us. He showed us. Listen, Moses let his anger get out of control. Instead, of letting the father control his actions and, his response, and in his response, Moses took control. I've said this before. It's kind of funny, but it's not. A lot of us are control freaks here this morning. Anybody ever tell you you have a little issue with control? We're control freaks, some of us. We, we like to do things how we want to do them, when we want to do them, exactly, you know, just everything about it. We want control, and Moses took control. Ephesians 4.26 says, In your anger do not sin. Be angry and sin not, another translation says. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Right there, Paul is telling us that all anger is not sin. It also means that some anger is. How in the world can we be good and mad at the same time? Some of us, we use that expression, right? I am good and mad. I am good and mad. How can you be Good and mad at the same. Listen, Jesus showed us how. He modeled it for us. Unlike most of us, he, he was never angry at wrong done to himself. Even while he was hanging on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Some of you are like, I'm not Jesus, Pastor. I'm not Jesus. But we're supposed to be, right? We're supposed to be striving. We're supposed to be. Heading that way. See, although Jesus could be gracious and forgiving for, uh, uh, to, to the wrong that was done to himself, he had no words of charity for wrong that was done to others, especially the poor or, or people that were hurting. Listen, when religious authorities criticized him for healing a crippled man on the Sabbath, he looked around with them at anger. Jesus did. He looked at the religious authorities with anger. When money changers uh, in the temple took advantage of poor foreigners, he took whips and drove them out saying, and listen, I heard of the, uh, a whole sermon on the whip being just kind of weaved together. The time that Jesus, that was premeditated. That wasn't an accident. That wasn't something that Jesus found on the side of the road. His anger was such that he took time to make a whip and he went in. And what did he say? In, in anger, my father's house, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. He even blasted the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, uh, not for the terrible things they did to him, but for the way they treated the weak, for the way they treated the helpless. And so listen, when the weak suffer, at the hands of the strong and when, we, when the poor suffer at the hands of the rich, we may have to answer for the sin of not getting angry. In other words, we should get angry when injustice happens. We should get angry when someone is being violated. It requires a response. Did you know that sometimes when we do nothing, we're actually sinning? You might think, I can't get angry. No, when you're, if something's going wrong, if someone's getting taken advantage of, if someone's being abused and you're just willing to turn the other way, you might be sinning. Without anger, again, the money changers would still be in the temple. Black Americans would still be in the back of the bus. Women would still not be able to vote in America. Again, all anger is not sin, but some is. Just as lust, listen, just as lust is often confused with love, and so the, the two sides of anger are also misunderstood. Lust and love are powerful emotions of attraction, of one to get something and the other one to give something. Anger is also a powerful emotion of resistance, which also has two sides, one that is selfish and one that is selfless. Both sides, however, are expressed by the same word, self. Say self. How you handle yourself 
or control yourself shows if you've got that anger in check or not. Listen, if we don't want to sin when we get angry, we have to learn how to deal with our anger. We should not deny it when we get angry. We should not let things build up. We should learn to deal with angry emotions. Again, Ephesians 4.26 says, if you become angry, do not let your anger lead you to sin. Be angry and sin not. Listen, there are two ways to deal with anger. One is sin and one is not. This is all about doing the right thing the right way. There's a difference between, listen to this, there's a difference between holding anger in and holding anger back. When we hold it back, you and I, we are taking some time to gain some understanding, to pray. And listen, I've been there when something horrible has happened and my flesh wants to just react and my flesh just wants to yell. My flesh just wants to scream. But if I'm, if I'm walking in the spirit in that moment, if I, I have my body in check, I have to say, pause, hold back, hold back. I need to gain understanding. I pray, asking God what I should do in that situation. When we just hold it in, we try to ignore it and say it doesn't matter when in fact it does. It doesn't help when we deny that someone upset us or, or try to ignore it. And then afterwards, we, we hold it on to such, for such a long time, and we do that enough times over and over, we wonder when one day we explode or we physically get sick. I know none of you have ever been there where you've just held it in, and you've held on, and you've held on, and that person might say uh, something you know, about what you're wearing, and all of a sudden, they, they have no idea what they've done all along, but you do. You have a long list, and all of a sudden, in that moment, they say just the wrong thing, and you've had enough. You've had enough, and all of a sudden, you spew anger and hate and emotion and it's all because you've been holding it in for so long it's been stewing in your soul it's been stewing in your heart you, you've just held on to it so tightly listen resentment is nothing more than stored up and stuffed up anger resentment is nothing more than stored up and stuffed up anger resentment is the, uh, the result of holding anger in some people are so out of touch with their own emotions, they don't even know that they, uh, what they're angry about or when they're angry. I I'm encouraging you to not to hold your anger in, but to hold your anger back. Take some time to cool off. Pray about it. God gets involved. Sometimes he lets you know that the problem is with you. crickets yeah sometimes you're the problem maybe you're being too sensitive maybe you're expecting too much maybe you do need to let it go sometimes God lets you know supernaturally that the person who got angry uh, who you got angry at is actually struggling and needs some understanding sometimes he lets you know that the person who hurt you needs to be confronted about their bad behavior. Sometimes he may tell you to just let it go and forgive that person. I don't know about you, I, I struggle with confrontation. Anybody here like that? A couple of you have no problem, man. I wish you could be my agent. You have no problem. Pastor Freddie, tell me who and when. I will take care of it. Uh, but some of you are maybe like me. You have a little trouble with confrontation. You, have, you know, you don't want to say the wrong words. You don't want to, you know, just kind of weigh all those things. And uh, listen, either way, there, there are right ways to release your anger and there are wrong ways. Proverbs 29, 11 says, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Some of us act a fool when we just let anger have full vent. Some of us, you, you, you show all of your cards. You show exactly who you are. 
by how you vent. Psychologists tell us that, that, the, uh, that inside uh, each of us is a bucket of anger. The way to get rid of that anger, they say, is to take that bucket and spill it out. Maybe just do one primal scream. That doesn't really work. The problem is that you and I are not buckets of anger. We are factories of anger. There's a big difference between a bucket and a factory. The difference is that anger released inappropriately increases the volume of anger that we have inside. God's word tells us that aggression leads to more aggression. Uh, abuse leads to more abuse. And we have to be careful of what patterns we are setting. There's a right way to deal with anger. And here are a few just practical ideas to help us. Be honest when you are hurt. Don't hold it in. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with others. You can't hold it in. Take a little time. Hold it back, but don't hold it in. Number two, wait and slow down. Wait and slow down. James in his epistle said, be slow to anger, and while you're waiting, pray and listen. You've heard me say this before. There's a reason you have one mouth and two ears. Some of you missed that. There's a reason you have one mouth and two ears. Slow down. If you're going to talk to the person, pick a time to talk to the person. Do it privately. It is, and it is best if you do it face to face. How many times I have failed in this. Guilty, guilty because of technology. Did you know that people can't read your tone in an email? Uh, did you know that a text can sometimes be misconstrued to, to mean a thousand different things? And if you're like me, you like to capitalize. And did you know that when you capitalize, people think you're yelling? I, I'm, I'm just making sure you, you hear what I'm saying, but no, I'm not yelling. I'm not. You've got to be careful with that. Set up a time. Face-to-face -face is the best. Face-to-face -face is the best. Uh, let them know that what they did was hurtful. Be straight. What they did was inappropriate. What they did, you would like them not to do that again. And listen, this is, this is, if you do that, this is, that's your part, right? Whether they own up to it or not, whether they deny it or not, do you do your part, always be respectful and leave it there for now. You may have to do more, obviously. Again, you don't want to be somebody's doormat. You don't want to be abused. Listen, this can make all the difference between doing the right thing the right way or the wrong way. If they continue, like I said, to, to express bad behavior, you may need to take further action. I think there's, there's strength in community. And so some of you, the face-to-face, -face, you've done it already. It didn't go well. You might need to bring someone with you. And say, listen, we need to talk, you know, and again, be gentle, be humble, be respectful, but express yourself. You can be angry and not raise your voice. You can be angry and not lose your temper. You can say, that made me angry. It's okay to feel the emotion of anger. Just keep control of your emotions while you are expressing yourself. Listen, that's why it's important to walk in the spirit, that we not gratify the lust of the flesh. We're flesh, and you can choose to be led by this flesh, or you can say, you know what? I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. God lives inside of me. I'm going to let his spirit lead me. In fact, I'm going to let his, his spirit control my tongue. Worship team, come. I said that a lot of that really slow because I want to make sure that you hear. And, and I said it slow because it, for me it was hard to, to say. And, and this is not an excuse. I'll never use this as an excuse again. Uh, some of you, depending on your background, you're saying, well, I'm, I'm German. And so it just comes naturally to be angry. I'm Hispanic. I'm I've got hot blood. Stop your excuses. Stop it. Proverbs says you're a fool. 
giving full vent to your anger. Instead, be a wise person. Listen, God is doing something in our nation. God is doing something uh, in different parts of the world. And I believe part of what he's doing, he's doing it with people who are willing to check themselves, who are willing to deal with their faults and their failures, who are willing to confess their sins. The Bible talks about confessing our sins to one another. Uh, listen, as a, a former Catholic, I know that sometimes doesn't hit me the right way, but it's the scripture, it's the Bible. And that confessing, maybe that's confessing anger. Maybe that's confessing that someone has hurt you, that someone has crossed the line. And again, you can't control what somebody else does, how they react to how you're dealing with your emotions. But if you do your part, if you do it honorably, respectfully, prayerfully, maybe God will change two lives. And where there was brokenness, God can bring you together. God wants to bring unity to your lives, to your relationships. And for some of us, if we're dealing with anger, he wants us to deal with it. He wants us to deal with it the right way. Doing the right thing the right way, honoring God. Did I say it was easy? I didn't say, you didn't hear me say it was easy. I, I, listen, pastor has some stuff to take care of. But so don't some of you. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you, God, that you love us so much. You love us so much, Lord, that you don't want to leave us in that place of just handling things inappropriately. You don't want us to be bound by our anger. You don't want us to be fake either, Lord. You know the issues that we may or may not have with different people. And I really believe that you want us to, on our part, you want us to deal with it. You want us to surrender our hearts, our lives, our emotions to you. We should want to uh, just be able to, to uh, bear, bear fruit, that the fruit of the Spirit might come forth from us because your Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And so, Lord, help us to make the right decisions. Help us to, to yield to your Holy Spirit. Lord, have your way in my life, in our lives. We don't want holy distortion. We want to walk in holiness. We want to make sure that we honor you in everything that we say and in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. amen. Let's close in worship.